Good morning, everyone. Um, so you would have seen my beautiful book that I'm preaching out this morning. Because what happens is, because um, I obviously work, very often when I'm, when I'm preaching, I actually just get to sit still and just pray and think about what I want to say on a Saturday morning. Um, and I use it, then take my laptop to her, home, and then I'll, I'll type it, and then I'll quickly ask either the Nikki Forest or the Sayers, please just quickly print this for me for tomorrow. Um, but yesterday morning when I, um, when, I was, when, when I wanted to start preparing, I actually left my laptop at work, and I work in the, in, in the city. So I was like, shucks, how am I going to now prepare? And then my wife got this present um, at some stage, and she said, I can, I can use a book. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, just before I start, I just want to really just from my family and I, so my wife and my daughters aren't here today. They're actually all, all of them are sick. Um, so they're on meds, and my daughter didn't go to school from Wednesday and so forth. And obviously, for those who don't know, it was a horrible week. My father-in-law passed away on Wednesday morning. So it was such a tough week. They're in George. So we'll probably go there next week. And it was such a tough week. But, yeah, as soon as I just let some guys know just to pray, people just thought, like, it was like an activation. It was amazing. Like, we received meals on the day. Like, people just blessing us with, with, with things, praying for us, reaching out, sending messages, and just rocking up at our home. So it was amazing. So, yeah, really just from my side, we really just want to say thanks to each and everyone just for praying or bringing a meal or or just, just blessing us. We really feel love this week. And yeah, if you can just continue to pray just for, for my mom-in-law. Um, it's obviously very tough. They, they, they were married 34 years, and she needs to figure out life on her own now in George. Um, but really just trusting for God to even work in, in that. Even we were having a conversation last night, and she's really, she's, she's obviously hurt and broken, but I just sense there's an opportunity there just to talk about Jesus um, yeah, so, you know, God uses all these things. Anyway, so this morning, um, I felt God leading me to speak about humility this morning. And, you know, we live in, in, in a society today where humility is the last thing on people's minds. It's all about me and what I can get and what I can do and how far or wide or whatever I can achieve my, my goals. And um, so what happened was last weekend on a Saturday as I was praying, um, I, I actually just felt God actually just just actually not rebuke me. It wasn't that strong. I mean, he does do that sometimes, but he he just came and he spoke to me about humility, you know, and not doing things out of my own strength. There's a psalm that I've been just praying about. It says, some people trust in chariots, some in horses, but we all trust in the name of the Lord our God. And the context of that is, you know, in those days, if you had an army and you had chariots and you had horses, you were a strong army. That were, were the things that you would rely on to win, to win battles. And God is speaking to me about what are my chariots and what are my horses in my life that I rely on and not on Him. So He really just brought me to a place of humility. Um, and I do, and I've been thinking about this now for this last week or so, and I do feel like it's, it's a word in season for us. And as I've you know, thought about humility and prayed and, and read some scriptures, I really come to the, I've, I've come to the conclusion that, that humility really attracts God's attention. If you want 
the eyes of the Lord on you. If you want to attract his attention, it's through humility. Um, and an example that we can see in the Bible, if you go read his story, is David, King David. Um, you know, like the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. And even, I remember when I got saved, and I read that for the first time, I always wondered, what was it about David that God would call him a man after his own heart? Because he still made mistakes. I mean, he made horrible mistakes, right? Um, but even through that, like, even through his sin and his brokenness and his mistakes, and you see, like, his, his mistakes becoming his son's mistakes. So, obviously, he didn't have everything figured out. But even, even so, God called him a man after his own heart. And actually, in Acts, somewhere, I can't remember, somewhere in Acts, um, it says that when David achieved the things that God has planned for him in his generation, he, he um, passed on. So, there's a very clear sense that David was a man after God's own heart, and that he achieved what God had for him, which is amazing, right? We, we want to be a people, hopefully, that, that achieve what God has for us in our generation. But, he, but there was something about David that attracted God's attention. And I really believe it was his humility. You know, if you read the story of David, when Samuel came to his house, so God told Samuel the prophet to go to the house of, of Jesse because he's going to anoint one of his sons to be king over Israel. Samuel arrived, Jesse calls his sons, he looks at each son, God tells them, don't look by your eyes, because that's not the way that I look at men, because obviously they were handsome and big and strong and, you know, your, your typical king. And then Samuel asked, asked Jesse, don't you have any other sons? And then Jesse goes, yeah, I have that son, that, you know, the shepherd in the field looking after sheep. So, I mean, he wasn't even worthy enough or, or valued enough to be called into that conversation. And then, as in, I, I don't know if you know the story, you can go read it, but as Jesse goes and calls David, Samuel anoints him as king. And you would think, you know, that's amazing. But the reality is David had to wait a, like a lot of, a, a few number of years in order to actually walk in that. And, um, you know, there's something about David's humility because he didn't grasp for what was his. So, Samuel anointed him king, but David did not go and grasp and try to make it happen, and, and that's humility, right? Um, he knew that God had promised him, that, you know, kingship and to be king, but he didn't grasp for it. Like, even though he was anointed for king, he had to wait many years for God to fulfill that, uh, that promise, and, and also, if you go read his story, like, it wasn't an easy ride. Like, it wasn't an e like, he was a fugitive for many years. He was hunted down by King Saul, who, who was king of Israel at that stage. He was hunted for many years, and it was really hard for him, which, which would have obviously made it quite difficult for him to still walk in humility and believe that God's going to do what he said he will. But even more than that, and this is like a real test for me here, is that he had many opportunities to take it. He had many opportunities to, to, to take the kingship, if that's the right word, if that's the right word, that's what I'm going to use, kingship. Um, if you go read, like, there was, and I'm thinking of one example where they were hiding in a cave while King Saul and his army or his troops, they were looking for him to, to um, murder him. And then um, they were hiding in a cave and Saul had to go relieve himself. So he told his, his army to wait outside and he, he went into the cave 
And then David's men told, told him, this is your chance. This is of the Lord. Now you can kill him and you can take what is rightfully yours. Right? And many people would go, well, that's God's providence. I mean, sends the king of Israel alone in, in, into a cave where David is hiding. And David cut off the edge of his garment, the Bible says. And when Saul went out, David came on top of the mountain and, and he showed him. But even then, God, God rebuked him because he touched the Lord's anointed. King Saul was still king of Israel. God still anointed him to be king, even though he was an evil king. And even though God promised David that, it, he, it wasn't his time yet. And he had the humility to go, I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry that I touched the hem of your garment. You are still king. And it, it's just amazing for me because I really believe that's why God called him a man after his own heart. He had the humility not to grasp for, for things, to walk in, in, in humility before God and wait for God to fulfill what he has promised him. So, um, yeah, so, I, so kind of where I, I want to land a bit later is really for us to know that, I mean, there's a lot of reasons we can say we need to be humble and we need to walk in humility. But the two that I really want us to focus on this morning is firstly, we attract God's attention like that. And secondly, He loves it when you walk in humility. He loves it. Um, and there are, two, there are two ways that we need to walk in humility. And the first one is, first and foremost, is to walk in humility before God. And then the second one is obviously to walk in humility in this context, with, with others. Um, and I want to look at a few scriptures. So, so our first scripture we're going to look at is in Luke 18, and this is actually the scripture that came to mind when God spoke to me about this, and this is obviously walking in humility before God. Such a powerful parable. So Jesus is um, talking here, and he says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray. So temple, God's house. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, exhaustionists, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Can you just go back to the first? Thanks, Josie. Yeah, so just a few things that I just want to point out here. So, firstly, when we when we walk in pride, when we trust in our own righteousness, the fruit of that is looking down on, on, on others, looking at others with contempt. So that's quite a good indicator to, to, to see we, where people's hearts are at. And then a Pharisee, I mean, a Pharisee in that context would have been a church leader. So that would have been someone that was trained up in the law, that knew God's law. Um, others would look at at them with respect because they were, you know, God's leaders in, in the temple. So very exalted position in their society. And then a tax collector would have literally been the opposite. So a tax collector would, not always, but some of them were actually Jews. So the Jews hated them because they worked for the Roman government. And they, not, not obviously not all of them, 
but they were hated because they took bribes, they took more tax than uh, what they um, should have taken, they looked the other way, um, and they really, like people hated them because they really made life hard for, for, for the Jews. And, and often it was Jews that, that did this to, to other Jews, so the tax collectors were really hated. So you see, and then um, the, the Pharisee, standing by himself, verse 11, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men. And then he calls the other men, even like this tax collector. And then if you go to, I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get. So there's nothing wrong with fasting. There's nothing wrong with, with giving your tithes. But the point here is this man, this man trusted in his own righteousness, in his, like in his own, so righteousness means right standing with God, to be able to stand in the right relationship with God. So he was trusting himself and his deeds and the fact that he was a, a Pharisee, you know, someone that was exalted in society, someone that knew God's law, he, he believed that those things were enough for him to be righteous. And then you look at the tax collector, you know, this guy, sinful guy, he would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, you know, shame, um, yeah, but beast his breath saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then Jesus actually tells him, you know, that man went to his house justified, so justified before God, so God pardoning that man because of his humility, and not the other man who trusted in his own righteousness. Um, so again, my point here, or the point that I, I want to raise is humility attracts God's attention. This tax collector didn't know the right words, didn't know the right things, wasn't trained, necessarily trained up in the law, but he knew that he was a sinner and he needed God's righteousness. And that attracted God's attention. That's such a powerful story for, for me. Um, <clears throat> and then if you go to the next um, passage of Scripture, Philippians 2. Now, uh, yeah, God keeps on taking me back to Philippians 2. <laughs> um, and this is where Paul encourages the church to walk in humility before others. And then he looks at the example of Jesus in order to encourage people. So this is walking in humility before people. So we'll read through everything and then we'll just go back to the start. So, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So unified, basically. And how are we unified? And, and I believe verse 3 and verse 4 actually tells us. And then it says, verse 3, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. So the order that we will maintain unity, the order that we, that we will be one heart, one mind, with one purpose, is walking in humility with, with each other. Counting others more significant than, than yourself. Let each of you not only look to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And I really felt this this week, just with, our, our family, <clears throat> and then he says, why? Why should he walk like this? And then he, he goes to look at the example of Christ. Having this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, 
though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So there's again this thing of not grasping. You know, David didn't grasp for, for his kingship. Jesus didn't grasp for, for what was rightfully his. But made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, because of that, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And that is the name that we raised and praised in worship this, this morning. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you can go, just go back. Thanks, Joyce. Just to the... So, for me, verse 3 and verse 4 is almost like, and I don't want to say this because it's not, but it's almost like a checklist for, for me. If you want to know if you're walking in humility with other people, then that is quite a good indicator. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And then verse 4, it says, do not look at your own interest, but also to the interest of others. And that is practically like that. That's what humility looks like in, in, in this con context. Paul tells us to be humble before people, and then he uses Jesus as an example. And Jesus was, was so humble and so obedient that he obviously died for us. Um, and the amazing thing here is, and we see this in David as well. I mean, it's, always, it's obviously not the same um, con context. But Jesus did not grasp for his own right or for his own calling or his own destiny or the fact that he was the son of God. He didn't grasp to, for, for, for any of that. But he laid it down. He counted others more significant than himself. David did the exact same thing. He knew God anointed him, but he, did, he didn't grasp for it. And I just, and I mean, this, was, this wasn't necessarily part of what I, what I wanted to say. But um, I just want to say, for any... For, all our leaders here, or for anyone that wish that has a desire to be a leader, like the way to become a leader is by letting that thing die. You know, like the Bible says, unless a mustard, falls to the, a mustard seed falls to the ground, um, and really, like, we should not be a people that, that grasp for things. If God has a plan and a purpose, and a de or he does, but I mean in terms of leadership, for you, like, the best way to approach that is to lay that down and trust that God will raise it up if it is from Him. If it's not from Him, He won't raise it up. So, let's be a people that, that walk in, in humility before God, and let's be a people that really walk in humility before each other, counting others' interests above yourself, laying our lives down for one another. But we can only do that here if we do that, if, if we do that with, with God. I just want to get a water, sorry. Does it make sense? Where's my rent to crowd? And then the last scripture that I want to look at is James. And again, I want to read through this and just point some things out. <clears throat> James.
James 4, verse 6 to 10. But he, God, gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you your, your double-minded. Be rest and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And the context of this scripture, if you start reading from the start of the chapter, James 4, James actually warns this church against worldliness, so having one foot into the, in the world and the other foot in God. He actually tells them that they pray, but they do not receive because they pray with... Um, they pray to satisfy their own passion. So, they, they, so it's a pride thing. They're not praying in, in humility. They, they're asking God for things, but it's to satisfy their own passions. And then actually James calls them, I mean, this guy, I mean, if you go read James, he was a straight shooter. He calls them adulterous people, which is hectic. And what, is it, what does that mean? So obviously adultery is to cheat on your spouse. So he was saying, these people, because they had one foot in the world and one foot in God, because they were praying with evil desires, like they were actually, in a sense, cheating on God, right? They were adulterous towards God because God calls them to be holy and pure and devoted to him and him alone and to his kingdom. And they were, their intentions and the way that they went about life was, was mixed up with uh, worldliness. And... Um, and that's actually, I mean, that stuff is rooted in pride, eh? It's what, I mean, pride is essentially what can I get or, or, what, or what do I want? Um, and and um, how, what must I do to get it? Um, so pride is a very serious thing. Um, and these people were full of pride towards God first and then also towards one another. Because if you carry on reading, it says don't, um, don't gossip and, and yeah. But the good news is that James also tells us how we respond to God determines how God will respond to us. If we take a step to Him, He will take a step to, to us. If we read that scripture again. So first, verse 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And I didn't want to do it, but I am going to do it. I'm going to use the World Cup as an analogy. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so... Last night, <laughs> both teams didn't come into that match not wanting to win, right? Not, not one of those players will go, oh, we just want to have a good time. You know, it's all about rugby. You know, if we just play well, that will be enough. It was actually like they wanted to win and they opposed their opposition. It wasn't a friendly, you can have the ball, you can score tries, you can, you, you know, they come, they came against one another, they, they opposed one another, it's opposition. And it says that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And that is not a thing of, if, if, we, have, if we are prideful, if you don't walk in humility, God leaves us alone and he goes, oh, it's all right. That's not what God does, he opposes us. And, what, and that's quite hectic. If God opposes you, you you're in trouble. Because he comes against you to, to beat you, basically. Not beat you, to, to, to beat you in, in life. Anyway, you know what I mean. Just like the Springboks came to beat, you know, 
in England last night, and that is a very scary th thought. If we walk in pride, if we don't humble ourselves, God opposes us. He's our opposition. And that, guys, should make us tremble. So if, you, if we respond, so I said the way that we respond to God is the way that He responds to us. So if we walk in pride, and if that is the way that we respond, there's a way that God's going to respond to us, and He's going to oppose us. But if we respond in the right way, it's, a, it, like, it's amazing what, what happens. So from verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you, because he is the master of pride. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Um, and then gives you some, some, some steps. And then if you can just go to, thank you. Um, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. And over there we see words like submit. We see words like resist. And we see words like come near and humble yourselves. And those are all responses or steps that we can take towards God. And it is amazing then how God reacts towards us. He gives us grace. When we humble ourselves, we receive His grace, and it attracts His attention. And He loves it. Um, so my prayer is really this morning that we will be a people that walk in humility before God, that we will humble, continue, and it's not a once-off thing. We continue need to humble ourselves. But that we will you know, walk in humility before God and before each other, and that we really would be a people that attract God's presence, because that's ultimately what it's about, eh? It's about His, his presence. And, um, and that we'll know that He loves it, and we'll see, I mean, not that, uh, that we aren't, but we'll see us being unified, because we are putting each other's interests above our own. We are not, um, what, just, sorry, can you just go back to that Philippian scripture? Sorry, Jason. Um, that, that's fine. Do nothing from rivalry. So maybe we are people that don't do things from rivalry or conceit, or that we will in humility count others more significant than ourselves, that we will put others' interest above our own. And, but that's an overflow of our heart condition towards God. Um, so this morning, really just want to, yeah, just create space just for... Um, for us to respond, you know, like, as I said now in James, the way that we respond to God determines how He's going to respond to us. If we take a step towards Him, He'll, he'll take a step towards us. And I really just want each of us, and Lisa, just maybe just play some keys. Um, and I really just want each of us just to take five minutes, and I want just to create space. And I really want us to come before God. And if there's any pride that you need to repent of, repent of, of that pride, humble yourself be, before God. He might show you sin. He might show you areas in, in, in your life. I, I don't know what God wants to do, but I really want us to be a people that respond to Him and not just hear a message and then move on. So, so why, yeah, why don't all of us stand? <laughs>